are going to continue our series on pleasing God. And of course, that is from our perspective. But when we look at it from God's perspective, is are we doing and saying what He would look on with favor? And so we've been revisiting the passage in Isaiah 66, 1-2. So let us look at it one more time. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where could you possibly build a house for me? Where would my resting place be? My hand has made all these things. And so they all came into being. This is the Lord's declaration. I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. So we've seen in the first two lessons of what it means to be humble. Then we looked last week on how to be submissive in spirit. And I think it's those two progress into the third. If we're not humble, we won't be submissive. And if we're not submissive, can we truly tremble at His Word? And so we're going to talk about that today. And when you think of the word tremble, you think a little bit of like, whoa, like you're shaking, like there's... There's this fear. In fact, the actual Hebrew word has also translated fearful. So you're fearful at His Word, that there's this awe, there's this respect, there's this expectation, there's this anticipation that when you hear the Word of God, you stop. Whatever else you may have been worried about, whatever else you were focused on, you want to focus in and hear what God has to say. But what does it really mean to be a person? Because that's who we want to be. We want to please God, right? We want Him to look on us in favor, right? Which means we need to tremble at His Word. But what does that mean? Well, I found this other passage in Proverbs 28 that gives us also an example of someone who's not trembling at His Word that actually might help us to define what it means to be. One who trembles at his word. In Proverbs 28, 14, it says, Blessed is the one who always trembles before God. But whoever hardens their heart falls into trouble. So if we realize the opposite is to be a hardening, then someone who trembles at his word is actually someone who's softening to whatever God is saying. And we see from this passage, guys, we have one of two options. Either you're going to tremble, or you're going to become hard in your heart. Is there a hardening? And I know that many of us, even as we got to hear Teresa share her testimony of how there was that trembling when we first came in contact with the gospel in a way that we never had before. We began to hear passages that maybe we grew up as a kid, but they didn't affect our heart like they did at that moment. And we trembled like, how did I not see that before? How did I not respond to that? I need to obey that. And we were moved. But any of you who know, it's easy for our heart to get hardened over time. Do those same passages cause you to tremble? Or do you go, ah, yeah, I've heard it before. Because the minute you've gone to, I've heard it before, then that means there's more of a hardening than a trembling. And that's a scary place for me. I don't know about for you. So when I started to think about, okay, what example could I share this afternoon of someone who truly exemplifies a person who trembles at His Word? And this one just jumped out at me immediately. King Josiah. 
I think the sole chronology of all the kings of Israel and Judah really exemplify this passage we just read. Because we see these kingdoms. In fact, let me just kind of show you here. Obviously, we had the united kingdom of Israel under Saul, then David, and then Solomon. But unfortunately, pretty quickly after Solomon, it became divided between the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. Here's all the kings, chronologically, of the northern kingdom. Here's what's sad about it. Show the next slide. All of them are evil. Every single one of them. Not one good moment. Is that a trembling or a hardening? It's a hardening. But then we get the lineage of Judah. And so you can see here we have quite the interesting situation. You have evil, evil, good, good, evil, 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 good, 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 evil. And then at that point, the northern kingdom is now taken into captivity and only Judah remains. Then we've got good with Hezekiah. Then you've got evil, good. I'm like, wait a minute. Well, because he was evil, but then when you read the account in, in Chronicles, he repented which may play into a little bit, why was Josiah able to be trembling rather than hardening? Interesting thought. Then we have his father, evil, and then Josiah is the last good king of Judah, followed by four evil kings in a row, and then even Judah is taken into captivity. It didn't matter what the experience or circumstances of the leaders were born into. Some of the good kings were replaced by evil ones. And even the most evil kings were followed by good ones. The only factor was whether they trembled or hardened at the Word of God. It's the same for us. It doesn't matter whether you grew up in the church or not. All that matters is are you trembling or hardening to the Word of God? And we can be trembling at some word, And then another part go, no, I don't really agree with that. Then that's a hardening. It says we need to always be trembling. That if we're confronted with something that even challenges our doctrine of faith, are we going to hold on to our doctrine, which most often was given to us by man, or are we going to tremble and take God's Word as the Word? You have a choice. Are you trembling? Are you hardening? Now, when I think of the situation for Josiah, we've got to give a little bit of background. It actually begins 300 years before Josiah was even born. This is what should make us tremble at God's Word. Look at this passage in 1 Kings 13. It's a great story. You can go back and read it. It's an amazing story. But here's what happens in verse 1. A man of God came, however, from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord. While Jeroboam was standing beside the altar to burn incense. The man of God cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord. Altar, altar, this is what the Lord says. A son will be born to the house of David named Josiah. And he will sacrifice on you the priests of the high places who are burning incense on you. Human bones will be burned on you. He gave a sign that day. He said, this is the sign the Lord has spoken. The altar will be ripped apart and the ashes that on it will be poured out. If you continue the story, the king tried to interject and as he put his hand out, it became leprosy immediately. 
And then he's like, he prayed, pray for me. It's funny how you get good when harm comes to you. And he does get healed, but then the exact sign happens. Guys, this is 300 years before Josiah was even in our minds. And God is already saying, I will have a son through the line of David, Judah, that will be named Josiah. How crazy is that? That should make you tremble that if he can make that come true, he can make everything in here come true that is yet to be fulfilled. That, that should frighten us in a good way. Because especially, and I know you go, oh no, all those condemnations are going to happen to me. Yeah, they could. But through Jesus, we also have the precious blessings and promises that can be true. Like forgiveness, eternal life. Wow, we should tremble. Every time we get up in the morning and we open this up, we better not treat it like a newspaper or a textbook. This is the holy Word of God. Now, I know we got technology. A lot of you like to scroll, which is, I guess, more biblical in many ways. <laughs> Teens will like that one. They're going to use that against their parents. I'm scrolling, Dad. <laughs> but I still like to bring out the printed text. I'll read online, too. I'll read on my little thing if I need to. But there's just something about sitting down, making sure all the distractions are away, because if you don't, you won't really read it the way you want to. <laughs> And to open up and just actually imagine, God is about to speak to me. Is that how we approach the Word? That's someone who trembles. But we just open up because someone's going to ask me today, did you read your Bible? And I want to make sure to write that checkbox. Okay, let me, uh, let's see, oh, oh, what day is it? Okay, I'll go to that proverb, that always works. Please still do it, because I still believe reading the Word will help. But is that trembling? Is there a question that you have? that God would love to give the answer to? Are you seeking it out? See, every time you open the Word, there's so many different things that could happen. It could be something you need to change, something you need to obey. Maybe it's just something you need to believe or something that you need more understanding on. But every single time, you can tremble at His Word. So here's Josiah, 300 years before he even exists, and God says, I will make this happen. So now let's jump forward. Let's get a little bit of history about King Josiah. We see that he was uh, reigning from 639 to 609 B.C., so he didn't live that long. You'll find his story both in 2 Kings 22 and 23 and in 2 Chronicles 34 and 35. And it says 55 up there, but it's 35. There is no 55. Uh, And what's also cool is you can read some of the prophets, particularly Jeremiah, actually mentions Josiah. He's very complimentary. During his reign, these were the prophets, and this is important, because young Josiah probably heard these prophets preach. For sake of time, I couldn't bring them in, but particularly Zephaniah, Nahum, and Jeremiah. They were the prophets preaching to Judah, preaching to Israel. So young Josiah was probably hearing them. And man, the ones in Zephaniah, they were no joke. They were like, I'm going to basically wipe mankind from the face of the earth. That's basically what Zephaniah was saying. Oh, and Judah, by the way, you're included. Here's young Josiah, successor to the throne. You're going to do what? Did that start something in Josiah to go, maybe I need to listen to this word. Now what's interesting, obviously, his grandfather, his great-grandfather was good, Hezekiah, but his grandfather, he was terrible. 
Later repented. Maybe that helped Josiah. His dad, on the other hand, was just evil. And in fact, what was sad is he actually was assassinated by his own officials. If I'm little Josiah, I'm thinking, usually when you assassinate the king, you assassinate the whole line. But people intervene, and they end up killing those who killed the king, and they make him king. Look at this passage. Eight years old, guys. He's not even a preteen. Yeah. 2 Kings 22, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, the daughter of Adaiah. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor David. He did not turn to the right or to the left. It kind of gives us a description of someone who trembles at his word. They keep their focus on the word. They don't go to the right, to the left. They don't throw in their opinion of what they think God is saying. They hold to what God is saying. And even though his grandfather, his father, did not do what was right, something within Josiah, even at a young age, was seeking God. And I'm proud of our youth in this church, that they actually seek God in their youth. Oh, how I wish I had done it as young as you. I'd be spared all the stuff like Teresa shared and a lot of us could share that if I'd only known. And yet I was always given the opportunity because we had the Word at our disposal... But did I pick it up? Did I tremble at it? I want you to picture yourself being King Josiah. You're surrounded by evil. Already your compatriots, Israel, is taken off into captivity. You're hearing the the preaching of, 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 of Zephaniah just basically saying, it's now coming to you. How would you respond? Would you just go, I'm out of here. I give up. Or would you tremble at God's Word despite when anyone else is doing or not doing? Let's see what happens. Now he's 16, 16 to 18 years old. Was his destiny going to be any different than his forefathers? In 2 Chronicles 34, verse 3, it says, In the eighth year of his reign, so we know he was eight when he started, so he's probably about 16 to 18 right here. He's a teenager. While he was still a youth, in case you didn't, Realized he was still young. Josiah began to seek the God of his ancestor David. And in the twelfth year, he began to cleanse Judah and Jerusalem of the high places, the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images. Then in his presence, the altars of the bells were torn down, and he chopped down the shrines that were above them. He shattered the Asherah poles, the carved images, and the cast images, crushed them to dust, and scattered them over the graves of those who had sacrificed them. That sounds familiar like a prophecy that we read earlier. Hmm. Tremble at God's Word. He burned the bones of the priest. Whoa, wait a minute. Where did he get that from? God predicted it. On their altars. Not just any altar, their altar. As the prophet had said 300 years earlier. So he cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. A teenager cleansing Judah. Maybe we need to to nominate a teenager for president. Maybe they could get it going. I know our laws don't allow it. He's got to be a certain age. But guys, how crazy is that? Could we imagine how different could our marriages, our families, our neighborhood, our city, our state, our country, our world be? If we tremble at the word like 
Josiah. That's exciting to me. We can make a difference with God's Word. He did the same in the cities of Manasseh, Ephraim, and Simeon, and as far as Naphtali and on the surrounding mountain shrines. He tore down the altars and he smashed the Asherah poles and, he, and the carved images to powder. He chopped down all the shrines throughout the land of Israel and returned to Jerusalem. Man, this guy is amazing! Many of us, we would just say, well, I just won't look. I'll just put it aside in case I want to come back to it. He left no opportunity. Right. You want to deal with sin in your life that's an idol? Crush it! Tear it down! Destroy it! Scatter the dust! That's what he did. If the internet is causing a problem, get rid of it! Bring back the flip phone! That's what you got to do! Right? He's a teenager and he's doing this. I don't know who was telling him. Maybe the word... Maybe he was hearing the prophet Zephaniah and he took it serious. Are we? It's amazing. Now he's 26. Let's see if it continues. Maybe it's just the youthfulness. You know, they're still idealistic. They haven't really faced the challenges of life. It's easy to be spiritual when you're younger. You know, all those complaints. Let's see if he changed or did he even get more trembling and not hardening. And 2 Chronicles 34, 8 says, In the 18th year of his reign, in order to cleanse the land of the temple, Josiah sent Shaphan, son of Azaliah, along with Maseah, the governor of the city and the court historian, Joah, son of Joahaz, to repair the temple of the Lord his God. Now that right there says, what happened to the temple? So when the kings aren't doing what they were called to do, things got left unkempt. The temple was a mess. And we only have to look in our own rooms to know that that's easy to do. Right? But how's your spiritual room looking right now? Is it still clean? Or does it need some repair? Interesting. So they went to the high priest Hilkiah and gave him the silver brought into God's temple. The Levites and the doorkeepers had collected it from Manasseh, Ephraim, and from the entire remnant of Israel, and from all Judah, Benjamin, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. If you don't think giving is important to becoming trembling at His word, then keep reading. They may not have been where they need to be. The temple was a mess. They were doing terrible spiritually. They were taken off into captivity. Soon they would, Judah. And yet, they still gave. And God's about to do something through giving. We have an opportunity in a few months to give. Special missions. Texas missions. Mexico. Do you not realize that sometimes we don't tremble at the Word because we're greedy? Because we're holding on? We're tight-fisted? Do you ever think that maybe there's so many commands about money because God knows unless you give, your heart gets hardened. But they were giving, and look what's about to happen. Such a cool story. Makes you tremble. They gave it to those doing the work, those who oversaw the Lord's temple. They gave it to the workmen who were working in the Lord's temple to repair and restore the temple. They gave it to the carpenters and builders and those who used it to buy quarried stone and timbers for joining and making beams for the buildings that Judah's kings had destroyed. The men were doing the work with integrity. Anyone who deals with money should. Amen? Amen. I appreciate our account team, the integrity they have to keep us righteous, not only before man, but before God. 
The men were doing the work with integrity. Their overseers were Jehath and Obadiah, Levites from the Merorites, and Zechariah and Meshulam from the Koathalites as supervisors. Yeah, I practiced all these names, guys. You're wondering. It, was, it, took, it took me a while, man. I was like, man, these is tough. I'll just say them faster and hopefully it sounds right. <laughs> the Levites were all skilled with musical instruments. Hey, I like that. They were also over the porters and were supervising all those who, who do the work task by task. Some of the Levites were secretaries, officers, and gatekeepers. When they brought out the silver that had been deposited in the Lord's temple, the priest Hilkiah found the book of the law of the Lord written by the hand of Moses. Yeah, let that sink in for a minute. They found. Where was it? How do you lose the book of the law written by Moses? The very source of all your temple worship, all the directives, all the commands. I mean, it's the manual for your faith. And you lose it? And you know how that is. You've got an appliance. You go, where did I put that a manual? I know you can Google it now. I understand. But back then, they didn't have Google. You didn't have your manual. You're going to have to go buy another one. Right? How do you lose the book of the law? Before you get all judgmental, are we any different? Where was it lost? Where was it found? Where the money was being put. Has our focus gotten too much on our careers, our bank accounts, that we put so much time into that, that our time in the Word is less and less and less and... and oh yeah, I, oh man, when was the last time I really got in the Bible? Didn't you just lose it? Surrounded by all the other things we think is so important? We're no different. They lost the book of the law. Praise God they found it. Why? Because rather than hoarding the silver, they were giving the silver. Hmm. Only because they were giving it, instead of hoarding it, the Word came revealed. I wonder if that's true for us when we get in the Word. That if our minds are too preoccupied with what this world is offering, rather than what God is offering, do we not really tremble at it? Do we not really hear what God is trying to say to us? Hilkiah toward the court secretary, Shaphan, I have found the book of the law in the Lord's temple. And he gave the book to Shaphan. The only way they could lose it is it was no longer on their heart. There was a hardening. You know, it's interesting when you've been in the church for a while and you've been in the ministry a while and you look at people's Bibles. Are they old and weathered? Some of you are, man. I see duct tape on a lot of Bibles these days. Especially the ones who like put notes and highlights and they go, if I don't keep it, I won't know where it is because it's up here in the top left corner. And, right? But then other times I see them and they're not even your name in there. They get left all the time and hardly any of them ever have their name in there. Are you really reading it? Now some of you, you read it so much you get a new one every year. So I'm not going to judge you. Right? I get new ones all the time because I, mine wear out. But I can look just at your Bible and know, are you trembling? Now, you know, you can't look there. I scroll. Yeah, is your battery power down or is it full? I can find a way. But, I mean, you really got to think about it. How do you lose it? So easy for us to do. 
We've got to look at it for what it is. This is God's Word. It should make us tremble. So what happened? Second Chronicles verse 30, chapter 34, verse 16. Shaphan took the book to the king. This is Josiah. Remember, he's still in his 20s. And also reported, Your servants are doing all that was placed in their hands. It's good to bring good news first. They have emptied out the silver that was found in the Lord's temple and have given it to the overseers and to those doing the work. Then the court secretary, Shaphan, told the king, The priest Hilkiah gave me a book. He didn't say what it was. <laughs> and Shaphan read from it. So he didn't even know what the book was. So he just, hey, we found a book. The book of the law written by the hand of Moses. Uh, do you mind if I read it? If I was Hilkiah, I would be a little scared. But he did it. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his clothes. Then he commanded Hilkiah Ahikam, son of Shaphan, Abdon, son of Micah, the court secretary, Shaphan, and the king's servants, Asaiah, go and inquire the Lord for me and for those remaining in Israel and Judah concerning the book, the words of the book that was found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is poured out on us because our ancestors have not kept the word of the Lord in order to do everything written in this book. Notice it was not just the reading, it was the hearing. You may be reading the Word, but my question is, do you hear the Word of God? Do you really hear it? As being the very spoken words of God when you are reading it. I really recommend reading the Scriptures out loud so that you hear it. Hear it in your own voice. It'll make a difference in your quiet times. When you read God's Word and you hear it. That's why memory scriptures are so important. You can take them with you wherever you are. You can say them out loud and hear the Word of God wherever you are. Guys, it's amazing. Are we trembling at His Word? Are you hearing it? And we move on in verse 22. So Hilkiah and those the king had designated went to the prophetess Huldah, the wife of Shalem, son of Tokath, son of Hasrath, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. They spoke with her about this. She said to him, This is what the Lord God of Israel says. Say to the man who sent you to me, This is what the Lord says. I am about to bring disaster on this place and on its inhabitants, fulfilling all the curses written in the book that they read in the presence of King of Judah. Most theologians believe what they read was Deuteronomy. Basically where God is saying through Moses to the people before they enter the promised land, you decide today, choose to obey or not. If you obey, you'll get these. You don't, you get these. That's possibly what Josiah heard. Wow. wow. Because they, fulfilling all the curses written in the book that they read in the presence of the king of Judah, because they have abandoned me and burned incense to other gods so as to anger me with all the works of the hands, my wrath will be poured out in this place and it will not be quenched. That ought to make you tremble. Say this to the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. As for the words that you heard, because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before God when you heard His words against this place, 
and against its inhabitants. And because you humbled yourself before me, and tore your clothes and wept before me, I myself have heard, this is the Lord's declaration. I will indeed gather you to your fathers, and you'll be gathered to your grave in peace, not destruction. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I am bringing on this place and on its inhabitants. Do you realize that because of Josiah's being a person who trembles at his word, his destiny was changed? And therefore, the destiny of all those who lived in Judah, they benefited from his heart. They would not see that disaster in their time. Guys, think of what could happen if we were men and women who trembled at God's Word. What could change? I know when you turn on the news, when you see what's going on in our world, in our own nation, it's disheartening. It's discouraging. It just seems like doom and gloom. But man, if we, if we truly are Christians in this nation, if we truly tremble at God's Word, we can change the destiny. Amen. We can have hope. We can have peace now. But it's going to take trembling at His Word. And as we've learned all along, it's going to take humility to be submissive in spirit so that we truly tremble at His Word. Are you humble with God's Word? In other words, when you read it, and it's challenging you to do something, do you change? Or do you dismiss it? Great question. Let's move on. Verse 34. uh, Chapter 34, verse 28. Then they reported to the king, so the king sent messengers and gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. The king went up to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the Levites. All the people from the oldest to the youngest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. Then the king stood at his post and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and keep his commands, his decrees, and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, in order to carry out the words of the covenant written in the book. He had all those present in Jerusalem, and Benjamin agreed to it. So all the inhabitants of Jerusalem carried out the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors. So Josiah removed everything that was detestable from all the hands belonging to the Israelites. And he required that all who were present in Israel to serve the Lord their God. When you tremble at the word, you don't just do it for yourself. You want all people to tremble at His Word. Throughout His reign, they did not turn aside from following the Lord, the God of their ancestors. Man, I wish I was there. What must that have been like? Decades where the law had been lost. And all of a sudden, this young king gets up and he starts reading it, which is what was commanded that the king should read it. Somehow it got relegated to the priest and eventually the priest lost it. And That's what happens, guys. When you pass off your faith to someone else, rather than having an individual faith, you won't tremble true. before God. Now what's amazing is God promised him right now. He didn't have to do anything else and he would be at peace. So he could just stop right there and go, okay, I can enjoy the rest of my life. He didn't stop right there. For the sake of time, I won't read this, but he goes on and he continues to tear down 
every altar, every idol, every image. He just destroys it all. He cleanses Israel and Judah of all the pagan worship that had been built up to that time by his forefathers. He could have stopped. Why do it? Why would you go more? Because he trembles at his word. It doesn't matter that I've been told, I'm going to go to heaven now. Everyone else is in if they don't hear it. You can't settle for your own salvation. If you tremble at the word, you tremble for everyone to hear it. And so he continued. And then we find at the end of 2 Kings 23, this amazing statement. He then goes on and even has the largest Passover that had ever happened since the days of the judges or after. Which the Passover is an allusion to Jesus. He has an amazing feast. But then this is said about him in verse 24. In addition, Josiah eradicated the mediums, the spiritists, the household idols, images, and all the abhorrent things that were seen in the land of Judah and Jerusalem. He did this in order to carry out the words of the law that were written in the book that the priest Hilkiah found in the Lord's temple. He was still acting on the very first words he heard read. How amazing is that? Before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his strength. You know, not even David is talked about in that way. Show me anyone else where it says someone loved God with all their heart, mind, and strength, heart, soul, and strength. King Josiah, God did. According to the law of Moses, and no one like him arose after him. Guys, Josiah, he truly trembled at God's word. How are you going to respond? See, I think we need to remember how amazing the Bible is. Have a short little video, and then we'll close out. Let's be reminded of how precious the Bible is. Means the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its stories are true, and its decisions are immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's charter. Here, paradise is restored, heaven opened, and the gates of hell disclosed. Christ is its grand subject, our good, the desire, and the glory of God, its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is a mine of wealth, health to the soul, and a river of pleasure. It involves the highest responsibility, will reward the greatest labor, and will condemn all who trifle with its sacred contents. Pray it in, read it through, live it out, and pass it on. That is just some of the descriptions 
of what we have. We should tremble at it. I close with a passage that Paul used to describe the Thessalonians. It's one I hope can describe us today. 1 Thessalonians 2.13 This is why we constantly thank God. Because when you received the Word of God that you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as a human message, but as it truly is, the Word of God, which also works effectively in you who believe. Let's be that kind of person that God looks on with favor. Be humble. Be submissive in spirit. Tremble at His Word. Let us go to God in prayer and we'll be dismissed. Lord God, we come before You, I pray, humbly, submissive, and trembling. Because we want to be a people of Your Word. God, if we have allowed our temple to be cluttered, if we've allowed other focuses to make it disappear in our life, help us to clean it out. If there are any idols or sin that is interfering in our worship, help us to destroy it and to scatter its ashes. Help us to rediscover Your Word for what it is, the very power of God. God, I pray that each one of us as we leave today and as we wake up each morning and we open up Your Word, help us to hear Your voice. Help us to respond as Josiah did that we could change our destiny and even the destiny of those who live around us. Help us, God, to be humble, to be submissive, and to tremble at Your Word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.